keep going. Welcome back to the Keep Going Podcast. It was in the fall of 1993 that I was introduced to the concept of a magic bullet. Tom Waits had recorded his album The Black Rider, which was based on a play co-written by William S. Burroughs. Like any good Gen X boy, I was utterly enthralled by the beats in general, but Burroughs in particular. The juxtapositions of fatalism and magical thinking, heroin chic and creative genius, were compelling. But ultimately, his willingness to make beauty from chaos was foundational to my budding worldview. Enter the magic bullet. In Burroughs' hands, a magic bullet is profoundly purposeful, but the underlying telos is not controlled by the one who fires the bullet. It's much more mysterious than that, and potentially miraculous or tragic. Everything comes down to your intention to transform. It's in this vein that we bring forward nine magic bullets. These are simple, effective means to transform one's running. Whether you're in the doldrums looking for a change or grasping at what is now termed hacks to quickly help you refocus your training and racing, these magic bullets can be very effective. But keep in mind that any hack is like a magic bullet. It has its own purpose that you can attempt to harry to your target through aim and sighting or random gunslinging. But ultimately, you'll be required to accept that you must change your life and transform if you want the magic to work. And you'll have to accept the consequences. Perhaps it needn't be so dramatic, but in my experience, everything costs something, and you better be ready to pay the devil when he comes to collect. So as you consider the nine changes that we suggest in this episode... Be certain to fully weigh the decision to implement any one of these and bring the proper respect and commitment to see it all the way through. Lest the magic bullet determine its own trajectory and leave you bereft. With that cautionary injunction, I present to you the second episode in our ongoing fundamentals series that we've titled Nine Magic Bullets. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. All right, we just we just got done with our fire talk. We were we just went off on anyway. Never mind. We don't need to tell people what we went off on. What are we talking about today, John? This was your topic. Yeah. What are you so, bringing? What are you bringing for us? Um, it. I don't want. After I after I mentioned the topic, which is what are the what are ways that you can immediately make your running more enjoyable. And after I sent that, I was immediately embarrassed because then I felt like it was like a runner's world topic of the day. <laughs> like, make your running more enjoyable. And I'm like, no, I don't want it to be like that. But I think like what we were talking about before we pushed record, sometimes I think people aren't really enjoying what they do, mm. but they're still doing it. 
because they think they have to, or there's some external drive that they've attached themselves to or something like that. And I'm like, why, why would you continue to do something if it's really obvious that you're not really enjoying this? Or they're, mi- or they're missing a piece sometimes. That's yeah. what it is. It's like there's a, there's a piece. They, they still keep doing it because they're compelled. Because of many of our runners that we know, they're really compulsive because yeah. that's just part of the personality attributes, yeah. I think, that are there. Um, or at least that's what makes people consistent enough to be good at it. Right. Maybe. So maybe there's just no, the fire's not there. Yeah. So your, so your question is basically not only enjoyable. I also framed it in sort of immediately improving. Yeah. Which, would also, mine. which, which would also mm-hmm. then lend to enjoying it. So yeah. I think that's kind of a fair thing to say. We no, can, we can that. move into both direct, both those directions, but I like that you framed it initially as make it more enjoyable because at the end of mm-hmm. the day, your highlight, yes, it sounds a little hallmarky, right? But right. it's also really the fundamental issue is why the hell are you doing this thing that yeah. sucks so bad? Well, think about like, <laughs> okay, so think about when you are in a training period, right? In whatever you're doing, running, triathlon, cycling, whatever. And you're in, let's say you're in your specific period and you're focused on one, you're finally focused on one final day. And you have to be a little obsessive and compulsive to get into that place. And I think a lot of times, you know, and this is coaching from coaching people who go, you know, four hours to two hours and a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. You see, like, people get so monofocal at a time when you're supposed to be. But they get so monofocal that they sort of lose track. They get a little ADHD. They get yeah, and they. Um, that's when they start. You, you hear them a lot of times, like, um, "I can't wait for the taper" or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, that just popped into my head, but but that we both know that's not a good look. That's not, yeah. If you're like, <laughs> if you're like, I. I I just need to make it to Monday when the taper starts and I'll be okay. And I think that that happens, that happened more than I think I recognized at the time. Mm-hmm. Partly maybe it's my fault for maybe I should have recognized symptoms earlier and pulled them off a little bit. And I've been thinking about like, were they enjoying that? Like think about when you're having a really good run or a really good workout and it hurts but you're not, it's not like you're miserable. You're, I mean, that's, to, at least to me, that's about as fun as it gets. No, it's like the K-Rock ad, thank you, can I have another? Yeah. Thank you, can I have yeah. another? <laughs> yeah. And so what makes, what can you do to make running more enjoyable? And it's all stuff that we've talked about on all the, it's come up at least once, almost on a weekly basis for us. What do you, you know, what, what are you getting out of running? Again, what we were talking about before we hit record. And so I think first you have to change your perspective, which is the most obvious one, right? But are you running or are you training? Or, and if you're training, are you training all the time? Because really training takes place two, maybe three days a week, right? And I think people 
conflate training and running sometimes. And can you distinguish those a little yeah, bit more? The the running is the is the activity that you're doing. The training is that activity focused. Right? When you're when you have the mindset of training, you um have to become monofocal, right? You have to be aware of effort, pace, distance. You have all these variables. And I think, particularly now, people are, like lay people are in training all the time. And remember, was it, I guess it was two weeks ago because we didn't, we weren't here last week. And you said you're really interested in like um, the neuromuscular, the neuro part of the activity, right? Um, I think by being in training mode all the time, you're actually sort of defeating the purpose of improvement. Because you can really only train so much. So you think that's that's one of your that's one of your things is to. So and again, this remember when we were talking about um, uh, the New Zealand guy who the forty Jack uh, Jack Foster. Foster. Yeah. And when he said, "I don't look at anything I do as training." And when he when I first read that, it like really really clicked, and then. I don't know, probably just sit in the, since the pandemic and then working with people and seeing how that, you know, and my different perspective on things now, like people are just frying themselves all the time because they're never coming out of that sort of stressful, focused uh, mindset. And that I think if you change your perspective in to make it less training focused, even if you're in training and make it more like play or exploration, exploration or something like that. I think you, you, I think ultimately you can pull a lot more out of yourself, which is the goal, right? If, if you're in training is to pull as much out of yourself as you can. Um, or a goal anyway. And like I started really thinking about it just in the last week because of what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you're not like, I mean, you can be really tired in training and like, I don't want to go run today, but you go out and run because you love it. Not because you have to. Yeah. And you're, what you're highlighting here is something I call, um, something I think is a real miss for most athletes is that they, are constantly in, I think there's two attributes to running. There's two experiences of running. They actually happen to be one thing. One of the two is a subset of the other. So everyone who runs consistently, in my opinion, has a practice. This is a movement practice. They sure. wake up in the morning, they yep. show up, that's your running. They're running. They're going to run. They can't stop running. They're always going to run right. because they're hooked. And that's most of the people I think who are listening to this, this these podcasts at this point. Yep. If not, I'm super interested in who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> I have something to give you. No. Um, and then and the other is what I call the pursuit. And that's when you're focused on getting the goal. And you're arguing that 
listen, you can be in pursuit. You can't be in pursuit. You're saying you can be in a pursuit phase, a really focused pursuit phase, but even then you need to be able to toggle back to a practice using my terms like that, that does that resonate with you? Does that seem like we're talking yep. about similar yep, yep, things? Yep, yep, yep. And you know, it's like the running, I think for people, if they can think about that a little bit, it can be helpful because the idea of a practice is, Hey, this is what I do no matter what. And I think a lot of people don't really truly lean into that at a way that could be really deep and really purpose creating because you're doing it anyway. And why are you doing it? Because obviously you're fucking intrinsically motivated because you wouldn't just keep showing up if you weren't intrinsically motivated. Yep. Not everybody's intrinsically motivated to pursue. Right. That's why I say the pursuit is just a special mode of a practice. Yep. But the rest of us, we just practice. Yep. Even when we can't practice. I was thinking about you when you were sick. Like you weren't running, but you were running. I've gone through wind up periods of time where I didn't run for nine months, yep. but I was out walking for two hours because yep. I'm still running. It's right. just in my mind, I'm not running for whatever reason, um, either through protest or through inability. But, right. but ultimately you're just like, I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I'm always a runner. I'm right. always in running. So, um, so is that an intro or is that your first? That's, well, that's the first. That's your first. Yeah. One. You have to change your perspective. Okay. And that's, that's, that's as, epic. Well, I love that. yeah, yeah, it's, Be, it's mean, a big one. That's like, like that's the. I mean, I, it's I almost that's why I immediately it's like, is that the foundation. That's, I mean, the, it's that's kind the foundation. Of the foundation. Yeah, and because then, yeah. like you have to ask yourself: Are you a trainer or are you a runner? Yeah, and you know, a lot of people, particularly people who've only been in running the last ten years, maybe the first thing they see is get ready for your first five. They've never had a real practice. Yeah. They've never really just been a runner. Right? And that, I think that's why you hear people say, well, I really want to run, but it's so hard. Well, yeah, but it sure it, is. If you try to go run seven minute mile pace, yeah, it, it doesn't, <laughs> it really doesn't have to be. And it actually isn't if you do it right. Yeah. But anyway, they yeah. have to be walked down that road. And you know, I would, I was sort of reluctant to lead with that because it's so, it's almost like, Hyperbolic, you know what I mean? Yeah, you have but to it change sets, your perspective. But it sets the stage for the conversation yep. beautifully. Yep. So, Michael, what's what's one? What's your first one? We're gonna go through. We're, we're, we thought we'd have three or four of these. We'll see what we end up yeah, coming up with. We'll yeah, see we'll what happens. We'll round table. Make it fun. I was thinking about sleep. I like sleep a lot, and when I don't get, I think one thing that you can do to immediately enjoy running is to prioritize sleep specifically because if you're running in some of the the intermediate elite sub elite groups you're probably going to be running in the mornings quite early before your day jobs in my case that is true and dawn patrol yeah exactly so so running um sleep is the thing that i think is is underestimated and if you prioritize sleep over the running itself then your whole schedule can kind of neutralize itself and what i mean by that is get enough of it and get proper good sleep get off your your phones you know you know kind of clear your head and and it you know prior to like jumping in bed and doing all that stuff. And, and, and I think that the cool thing about prioritizing sleep is that if you're going to go to bed, if you're going to wake up at five to go run at five thirty, and you're going to get 
proper eight hours, you're looking at a downtime at seven, eight, eight thirty. You know, and that may be aggressive, but I think that that is incredibly important if you're going to start winding down at those hours, then your whole day, you know, the, the second event being the run in the morning after a good night of sleep, you're going to kind of re-engineer the, the waking hours of your day after the run too. So I, I just don't think that there's any better recovery than getting proper sleep. No, that's... It, we've talked about this before, and I know you have like a nighttime ritual mm-hmm. sort of before you, and I think that that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sleep, it's great. Sleep is it's where just, the magic happens. Sleep like is. Of, I think you're gonna if you want to instantly yeah. enjoy running more, or you're going to instantly improve. It's for me. It's always been sleep. Like there's, I don't even know how to explain it, but. I mean, the other option is to be tired all the time and, you know, yeah. kind of be rushing in the morning. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty simple. But I was looking for the quick fixes, the quick one-liners, and I'm like, yeah, well, for me, that's that's pretty much everything. And for our listeners, I will um, put in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, there's a new resource over the last three, three years or so. Have you ever, guys ever listened to the Huberman Labs podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he... He's a neuro. He's a neuroscientist. I'm not sure exactly what he is. He's like he's I, everything. He's just he's a PhD yeah, of all things. I mean, and he's interested in everything too. Yeah. But he is he creates these really deep dives into human optimization modalities and methods, scientifically, evidentially based. And he has excellent resources on sleep. So I'll just. You don't need us to tell you what to do with sleep because Andrew Huberman can give mm-hmm. you the real And I got I got off that. melatonin yeah, and, that was key. and yeah. started I, I listened to his podcast mm-hmm. on on the kind of the first domino falls when you wake up and you start you get that kind of cortisol bump when you wake up yep. and that activates kind of that 12 hour clock to where your melatonin kicks in 12 hours later and if you can really hone in on that over the course of a few weeks and start to get a natural rhythm in the circadian cycle not even the circadian cycle it doesn't seem but more or less like when your body you know uh, excretes that first kind of that surge of cortisol, Mm -hmm. then you can really start to get a a rhythm. And then, I mean, everything's in tow with that. I mean, if we're going to be waking up really early, I think we need to observe that natural clock of when that melatonin spike starts to surge later in the day. Mm -hmm. Oh man, my people, they get grumpy at me because I come, I'm, I wake up, I'm boom. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I've, I've never met, I've never had bad sleep. I mean, there are nights where I don't sleep sleep and I have other things, but I'm a really good sleeper. And, and, Kristen, my wife, she's not she's not such a good sleeper. She has lots of sleep challenges, mm-hmm. and um, she's always grumpy at me because she's like, "You just ready to rock it out," and I'm like, and I, I told her, she's like, "You've always been a morning person. I've never, I was never a morning person until until I started working at five thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. and then you have to get your sleep rhythms down." But um, well, my topic, my first one is going to be. I was going to save it for last, but now I'm going to say bring it first because it's the absolute antithesis of John's. So this will be interesting. Oh, this is going to be. I think awesome. you were telling me this the other day, and I think I know where you're going with this. Is this is where I was kind of like, and I and I had a I had a bridge to that. So yeah. I know where you're. So I think that you're dead on, John. That we do need a change in perspective, but I argue mostly because of the way I frame practice and pursuit, that I think everything is training, and I think the, the a way that people can really 
optimize and enjoy their running is if they recognize that every single thing they do is training. So that means brushing your teeth. That means tying your shoes. Uh, that means... Yes. Yeah, it's a paradigm shift. It's yeah. like... It's very similar to what you're saying, but what I'm saying is if someone can lean into... Everything is training really gets people's... They think they read the first line and they're like, oh, I think that sounds kind of cool. Like spiritual gangster. Like, do you even fucking know spiritual <laughs> gangsters? But anyway, but but everything is training. It's like, I liked, I love these ideas of what I call running koans. Yeah. They're like the Zen koan that at first glance, you look at it and go, what the fuck? Everything is not training. Or Kipchoge's, no human is limited. That is a Zen koan. That's mm-hmm. a koan. There's a problem. There's a, there's a subterranean or an esoteric side to what's being said. You can take the upper side, the, the outer version of it, and go, yeah, everything is training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the deeper side is, no, if you really lean into this thing. It's like Zen walking. Yeah, you yes. should be doing yeah. it at all yeah. times, always, all the yeah. time. Yeah, I, no, I totally, I, I totally get. And, and I think that that's yeah. something that would be really game changing for people if they could lean into that. And even if they only get the exoteric side of it, just the outside piece, it will, it could create a level of stress, like you said, and likely it will if they don't get the esoter- if they don't get the inner part of it, right? That what you're sa- what we're not saying is that you should be stressed out about everything. Right. What we're saying is that you need to balance your life in such a way that values. If you're training, then everything is training. Your easy run is training. We talked about that before. Your sleep is training. Your food is training. Your conversations are training. Are you in a positive space in your life? Are you in a relationship that's really drawing you Mm -hmm. down, creating huge levels of stress? Is your work environment really, really bad for you? If it is, you're going to have a really hard time training. So getting your work situation sussed out over a six month or six year period so you can optimally train will really really be a game changer and when you kind of think of it that way and i got this from zen right you get this from the yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i was i put on the side of a shoe one time uh i run when i run because it came from an old zen saying i eat when i eat and i sleep when i sleep and it's basically just saying you know we warm up when we warm up let's let's call it like it is see things for what they are so to speak and i do think that that is a level of commitment and trying to understand the act itself and being present in in the act itself so i i love that the two perspectives that y'all had are they're fundamentally the same thing it's just a nomenclature idea which is which is you know make sure that you see things as they are during the the particular activity that you're in and when you're optimizing you're optimizing and when you're not optimizing you, we need to even observe that we're not optimizing. We don't have to squeeze every bit out of that, you know, right. that rag that thing out. Yeah. Like if you're, I think if you're pursuing the optimal, you're delusional, right? <laughs> so Because true. there's no, optimal to whom? That's why I get mad at the word mastery. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, only amateurs go for mastery because yeah. it doesn't exist. Ask a master. They will not yeah. take the name master. No master worth their salt will say they're a master. They yeah. have mastery. They will just say, I'm on a path. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's, I think part of it too is like I, when I was sort of developing why I said what I said, I think I was... <laughs> thinking I'm just kind of tired of repeating 
you know, like on an easy day, stop looking at your watch. You know what I mean? Because if all you're doing is paying attention to how fast you're going and how quickly you're improving, you're not really following your path. You're following uh, some mythological hypothetical path that you've created for yourself and now because of what people are doing with their watches they are virtual reality yeah so there's a there's a there's in there they're in some conceptual non-real realm of self myth making which isn't a bad thing but usually it's so targeted towards production and performance and production and performance it can't hold weight or they're just like Right now, my be here now is being in my watch right now. Right. And when I did my, your be here now, no, is being in your body right now. Yep. Your watch just happens to be giving you some feedback that you can use or not use. Right. But if you don't have an inner feedback loop, then you're in deep mm-hmm. trouble, yep. like very deep trouble. Yep. I think, too, the thing about this idea of everything is training is comes back to what I think you were alluding to there when you said it's a path. You know, you guys have heard me say this. And it is really my, I think, my life's mission now as a coach is to rec- to ask people who run to really deeply consider whether they are on a path. Running is a path with heart for them. Because if it's not a path with heart, they should go to rock climbing or macrame or um, golfing or whatever, some other activity. Yep. Because running as a path with heart means that you're going to go and get after it. And it's going to take everything. And if something is a path with heart, then you ought to be fully committed to it, just like you would be if you had a worldview that was Christian or Buddhist or whatever. We we talk about Buddhist things a good bit on this. And what is the overriding sentiment of Buddhism? Chop wood, carry water. Right. Right? I run when I run. Yeah. It's like, like that's that. So if that's true, then that brings an aspect to your running that I think people are missing in the world. So I think this is something that's missing in our modern era, post-religion, is that we don't have any rituals that we feel are deeply meaningful. And I'm like, what? You're a runner. How do you not have rituals that are deeply meaningful? You wake up at a certain hour, you drink a cup of coffee, you take a shit, you get your stuff together, you get in your car and you drive down to a set location and you meet with your people, you pray, you set an intention, what the workout is, then you go out and you just literally go through an hour, two hour practice of your belief system. And then you afterwards, maybe you debrief and you get a little time after, or you move on to the next part of your life. And then you carry that runner's high, that endocannabinoid pop, or that satisfaction that we all feel in a dawn patrol. Like what do people say? I did more before the military says we did something more before 8 a.m. than everybody does in a whole day. And I mean, almost every runner who's in a dawn patrol does that. Like they've done more and they and they know they've done more. So that's like move that path with hearts moving through the rest of their day all the way through. And then at some point in time in their day, they're starting to do as Michael said, starting to think about the next day. Okay. I need to start thinking about getting in bed. I need to start moving myself down that way. So like everything is training is basically reminding you in a short, pithy, koanic way, like a really kind of whoop, whoop, like a little bit of here, there. Like I run when I run. Like, what do you mean? Like what? Like uh, everything is training says, is this a path with heart? And if, you, and, if, and if you frame it that way, then what happens is that aspect that we might be worried about that might drive someone too far um, gets tempered yep. because you can't sustain it. And, and you'll eventually realize pretty quickly 
especially with good training programs like yours and mine, I mean, you're going to be, you're going to, you're supposed to be tired right in the middle of that cycle. Right. And you're probably supposed to be in that space where you're starting to think about the things that you said, like you start wondering why you're doing this and is the yeah. taper coming up. Those are normal, natural experiences that people should be having. And what we're doing here is saying, Hey, here's some, there's three different ways that you can do it. So what's your next one, John? Um, so like you wanted a practical application. And so my, uh, my practical application is something I've mentioned um, probably several times is that probably 80% of the time you just need to ditch your watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, the old, like unless you have a session scheduled, there's really no reason, you know, unless, you know, there's really no reason to use it. Um, I mean, if you need to record it for whatever reason, great, but that the watch is better served as a recorder of a moment than as a guide. And I think people use it as a guide more now. At least, I see. Like, today I have to run 810 pace. All right. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> what it... <laughs> You know, arbitrary. Yeah, it's um, it's that's yeah. what it, it and it places more accountability on the appropriate sessions as benchmarks. Right. And that it's similar to mine. I'll just throw mine in here to kind of tandem off of yours, which was, I think it's arbitrary to hit um, mile markers to finish or a run. I, I think that people should stop running when, um a quarter mile out every once in a while just just to get an uneven number and walk it in and enjoy the workout and think about the workout on the way back to the car because i think i think a lot of people just try and hit it on the dot i including me and that mindset is is so it's not a bad thing to hit a mileage on the dot like i just ran 9 miles this morning but i made a, an attempt to stop at 8.6 just because I wanted to walk down the hill. I don't want to go finish a round number. I don't care what people think about that. I don't care that it's more eight than it is nine. Yeah. But I think that's positive reinforcement on getting looking inward as opposed to looking external. Yeah. And and to me, it's about reconciling internal kind of like acknowledgement. So yeah. making the acknowledgement. And yeah. one thing that you can do immediately is to break that unhealthy yeah. cycle by running an uneven split on your last mile. Um, and just walking it in and enjoying trying to just observe around, not in a kind of like a, a crazy way, but just acknowledge your workout, like downshift it, engine brake for a second and just go walk around. Yep. It's so cool. I uh, spent anybody that's listened to the early running road podcast know that I um, was really, really, really dismissive of what I call gerbling, <laughs> which is this running around in a like running around and running around in a, in a parking lot or down the street to get your number to hit to a, scene, a key number. So, but I do want to share an insight that comes from um, Kristen, my wife, about when I was coaching her. She, I had been saying this for so long, and one day she, she said to me, listen, it kind of hurts my feelings. And I was like, oh, here we go. All right, Snowflake. And she said, but what about those of us who see our work as every single part matters. And so if 
I said I was going to do nine miles. An important part of being an athlete, of being a warrior, is doing the nine miles. Right. So I do think there is a flip. There is a there is another side to that. There's which a says run, yeah. Which that there's is, a that there's that do think I agree with you. At the end of the day, people shouldn't gerbil, mm-hmm. but that means they should plan accordingly, mm-hmm. and and be ready or know your brief because that's the other argument that I gave her was like so she and I and I honored her statement. It was like ah, I was not recognizing the essential nature of the completion aspect that feedback loops in a really positive way over time. That's a magical practice. Like that's a ritual practice. That is beautiful stuff and it and we know John that shit works. Yeah. That's why we have that's why we say six times a mile and not mm. five times 2K. We, we, know there's a, we know there's no physiological difference between six times a mile and right. five by 2K. But we do know that for our athlete, there's a different experience of that. So we make changes and adjustments yep. and variables and variables. So that's, there's a deep honor to that need to do that. But that attitude, as Michael's saying, that's brought all the time without tempering and well, saying that there's it, a laid back chill part two that that in the pursuit you might want to do that in that process of pursuing but you do need a practice that allows you to just run for the sake of running and the yeah. distance being the distance right. and it being what it is yeah it's the equivalent if you're going to the other side of the pendulum to that idea is to i mean you have to deliberately say i'm not going to end on that mile in my case right. and that's on your when you're during what Stevie would call your practice. Now, when you're on the pursuit and you have, um, you know, like we did this morning, we did um, two by mile at on the track with uh, strides up to critical velocity kind of straightaways and then jogging on the corners. But I, and, and I think that the other side of that coin is to run the straights all the way right to the end of the line and and you do at the line Nothing frustrates me more when people back off before and you, it, so and i had somebody tell me you're always backing off before you run through the lines like running through first base and i was always getting yelled at as a kid run through first base don't just run to it and there is a to me, there's the other side of that coin. They're equal and the same. One is break bad habits and enforce good habits. We used to call it in the sobriety groups. Um, we couldn't say pride. Right. Like I have pride in myself uh, because at all times pride is kind of like you're just too proud. But we used to have to you know, predicate it by saying this is thanks for, you know, giving me a little bit of healthy pride. Um, but there's, there's, there's healthy activity and there's unhealthy activity. And I just do think that, um, they work hand in hand. That's cool. So cool. So my, my next one is, is, guess what? It's a little weird. All right. (laughs) I'm into that. No. Um, this is really important to me and it's been really important to me for a long time. And I, I frame it in different ways these days, but what I'm going to say now is basically that, One of the key elements that I have seen for myself and other people to enjoy their running more is to recognize it's a relationship. And by that, I mean that we have a tendency to think in our spaces that we do when we do voluntary or or required activities that we are pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, that we're doing it ourselves, that we're just this 
individual separated existence that's operating in the world. And while that's a perspective and one that is obvious why we have it, because we have eyes, ears, nose, um, mouth, and they all are happening in this place that we call where we make reason, which is our brain or our mind. And so there's this, there's this sort of human element and especially been exasperated, exasperate, whatever, made worse or, or encouraged by our scientific modes that have got, gotten to be stronger and stronger. But it fails to, rem, fails to bring to our awareness a critical thing that when you walk out the door, you're in a relationship with the weather if you're running outside. If you're on a treadmill, you're in a relationship with a machine. If you're running with other people, you're in a relationship with the people you're running with. If you're running at a certain pace, you're in relationship to the watch or the, the objective that the time is there. When you're running by yourself, you're in relationship to your own inner experience and the own thoughts. And then, and, if, and a lot of times what happens for us when we're, when we're not feeling great about our running, either we're a little burnt, a little crispy, or we're, our nervous system is sort of flaring up and starting to put us into flight or fight mode that happens pretty frequently in really hard workouts. You know, we were describing an athlete who was having a hard time in a race and made the option to freeze, to bail, or to flight, just got out, right? Yep. And what we were hoping that that person might be able to just stay with the trouble a little bit longer. And if that person knew that they were in a relationship, both with themselves and with the distance and with the course and with their coach and with the objective and could see the relationality, the, the competitor, see the relationality that was going on throughout all of that and how all that is good and necessary and what we really value in our lives. Why do we pair up? We don't pair up. We don't pair up because of sex. We pair up because we want companionship and we want to be with another person. We want to be in a relationship. Humans just really desire relation. And in our running, we are presented with an opportunity at every juncture. We're in a relationship with your city if you're running in your city. Why am I running on this street instead of that street? When you get to that street, think, which way am I going to go? Oh, my coach has a direct path for us. Oh, we're going to go there because I have a relationship with water and I want to get to the water stop. So some, <laughs> yeah. like literally people are like, yeah. this is the cheesiest, dumbest thing I've ever thought of. It might be, but it, I can tell you this, that the times in my running career, especially was a, as an elite, when I had a hard time getting up and getting out the door, I had a relationship to my goal. I put myself in relation to the goal. I said, this is the thing that's required to do that. And I think a lot of people, our world is, is absolutely bought into the myth of separation, that we are separate beings existing in little tiny monocultures that are, occupy the physical space that we're in in our bodies. This is not true. We are massively interconnected. We're interconnected culturally. We're interconnected spiritually. We're interconnected physically. We're interconnected in all ways. You can't, you can't pay your, you're paying your taxes. You're in relationship. We're G, even now with the internet and the modes of transportation we have, we're even geographically connected, right? You can be on the other side of the world by dinner time. Or a person in my online group can be doing a workout, okay? And I give them a workout to do and they have to put it on their own course, on their own space. And then they come back and they look at my group that's doing it locally in Austin and they do that and they compare it and they go back and forth and they have a rich relation 
That's beyond what anybody else, and most people don't even recognize it. And I have to point out to them, do you see you're in relation to another group? And to and that gives you greater meaning and greater value. Anybody who's on Strava, you are in relationship because you're watching that person, you're seeing that person's result, and you're saying, I relate to that person. You are connected, and that changes everything. And if you can tap into that, the first thing I can guarantee you that will happen is that a space of gratitude will show up. Yeah. Because once we see ourselves recognized as similar or equal to another, or at least in relation to another person, we're in their shoes for a little bit and we have gratefulness and gratitude for our own experience and their other otherness. Yep. And immediately things change. So that's the one I was going to lead with before. And I, but it, it, to me, this is, um, absolutely critical and crucial and a, you know one other practical way that i think this is really really useful for people is to you know we've talked before john about how important strides are or some kind of speed development or some kind of speed economy i call it speed economy right. some kind of neuromuscular work that gets done that truly will change your biomechanics and your ability to run at all paces more fluidly and economically right. and that is a relationship to the ground. Once you realize that what your stride is, is all, you do not run with your arms mm -mm. or your shoulders or your hips. If you do, those who do run into troubles. You don't run with your knees. You run from where your foot hits the ground and the energy, or getting really weird, the love that happens when you push off the ground. And you and I both know we're working with people when they're doing fast stuff to push off and out, like to really right. work on that. And that's a relationship to the ground. Once I get people, I tell it to people all the time. They're like, huh, 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 huh. I was working with my brother's son. He's a baseball player, a really good baseball player. And my brother was like, he needs to learn how to sprint. And my brother was like, give me all the drills. Give me all the drills. I said, the drills are fucking meaningless until he knows how to have a relationship with the ground. And he never got it. He never went anywhere with it. Probably I was a little too esoteric. But I also know that once you develop that relationship with the ground, it, it never stops feeding you. It always creates. You have a natural, even when you're dying at the 23rd mile and you have nothing, put love into the ground and something good will happen. You'll first think, oh my God, I can't afford it. It's too expensive. I don't have any more. Just do it. Because guess what? You have some fast-rich muscle fibers that have been sitting along there going on for a ride, and they ain't done jack shit for that whole run. <laughs> and they're there, and they're ready to work. But the only reason they're not working is because they're not doing anything to make them work. So think about pushing off the ground. Push off the ground and speed up a little bit. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, oh, after a little bit, I feel better. I feel better. It'll cost something. Yeah, you're, you're aerobic. But you're already not anaerobic because you're running fast. You're anaerobic because... <laughs> you've been the duration of the event has put it there. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's my, um, Oh, I that, love that. That's, that's a, really that's good. another, that's a, that's, that's my second one, I guess. Are we on our second one? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I, maybe I've we should keep two. going until we got you've done two. Yeah. We, this is your, the, you're oh, starting the third. This is third. Okay. So, and this, I is, think I only have three. That's all good. That's all I have. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this I think is a good continuation of what you said my next one was run with other people mm. as as often as you can does and that, that was lena's mm -hmm. was it <laughs> yeah um be, and michael called it hallmark <laughs> it is and that's like that's why i was saying after i'm a i'm a lone runner for anybody listening <laughs> well, i i typically like to train 
with music on, yeah, digging I, in to I, the. I think that's where, when you run with other people, one community is. We know that it's com- fabulous. I've already gotten so much better just by running with the group that Lena yeah. is in Steve's group uh, for th- two weeks now. Yeah, and I feel like I'm in marathon shape just <laughs> by being around people. Yeah, it's community. It, we all and you know, not even talking about the running world, having community is what allows people to thrive. And when you run with other, like, I mean, and there's the old jokes about, you know, oh, I don't need a therapist. I run with people Saturday morning. And you know what I mean? There's that whole thing where you hash out all your problems at church of the long run. Right. Everybody, what happens on the long run stays on the long run. And people are all running half naked talking about relationship problems. Right. Or, you know, or, you know, or I mystical always, theories of life or politics I, or I religion loved, or whatever. I loved when I would be, you know, I'd be at whatever water stop during the long run. And, you know, in five minutes, there are going to be 60 people rolling up and they're, they're rolling up and you can hear them arguing about politics and you're like, Oh, that's the best. And, and I, part of it is I think now because I live outside of town um, and I, you know, running, running with people right now is difficult because I'm so slow and I don't want to burden anybody with, you know, they could walk next to me, but um, I, how much I miss running with people. And I'm, I'm a lot like you. I'm a loner. Like I, Mm -hmm. Most of my running, I really like to do by myself. But on the opportunities that I have had to run with people lately has been like, I'm awake. You know, somebody says, hey, we're going to, you want to meet us for the last 30 minutes of our run or whatever? And I'm awake three hours before preparing like I'm going to do Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, yeah, we get, you know, it's right. the community's the thing. So when you have those opportunities... Right? to run with other people if it's even if it's people a lot slower than you are take it you know i mean i love that yeah just i mean that we're so we're sort of um inadvertent recluses in a lot of ways now because everybody's got their phone in front of their face and i know there are lots of days in my house where all four people are in the house but all four people are not in the house, right? Everybody's got their phone in front of their face and nobody knows where the other person is in the house kind of thing. And I I think running is a great opportunity to reconnect if you feel like you're disconnected in some way. Um, That's one of Kristen and, I's, Kristen and I's dates. Oh, yeah? And one of our dates is to go on a long run on the trail together. Nice. And, we, and we don't really talk. You might mm-hmm. talk for the first few minutes. Yep. And then you just get into the same space and it's like it's just a beautiful thing yeah i mean it's it there's there's not there's nothing like that experience of having the long in-depth conversations are absolutely wonderful too those right. happen but that but it's not that that has to happen that it, you can right. do something else yeah. and obviously i'm so pro community because that's what i do I'm, I'm trying to build community because i know that people are stronger um most people are stronger with others around because of accountability's incredible power to 
Um, we care what people think about us. And there's goods and bad sides to that. But um, I'm always a big believer that uh, if you're not enjoying something, find somebody else to run with for a little bit. And yep. it will, you know, even a different person in your group. So maybe you're just, vibe, you know, you're not in that vibe. Like a lot of times people are in attack mode and you're not in attack mode. So run with somebody not in attack mode or find somebody in another community to run with or do something different. But I'm, I'm totally with you, John. That is a, while there is a time and a place for running by yourself, I do think a lot of times you're running by yourself is frequently your practice. Yep. And then when you're in pursuit, it usually the pursuit is much better because it in a group with, yep. with others, because even when that pursuit is going on, you will find yourself, people are always worried like, well, I always run with other people. And so what will I do on race day? I'm like, well, you, if you're really working hard in your, in your pursuit and you're really where you need to be, you will separate and find yourself alone just like you do in a race. So it's actually good practice for how to start yeah. in a group and then find your own rhythm, be ready and willing to detach from that group when it needs and serves your best purpose for your best performance, and then allow yourself to run in your own space. And then when you finish off and you cooled back down, you get to talk about all the crazy shit that just happened and what you did and how your yep. coach is a fucking crazy psychopath and why you what the fuck am I doing with this? Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. Who is this man? And what is he all about? Right? Yeah. Don't ask that question, but <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Michael, what you got next for us? Um, it's, it's similar to our first one, but I, I get really, if you want to enjoy your routine and your running or your movement practice, then I think it's important to um, run forever. Um, that was that was my idea that uh, I learned through a book that Ambie Burfoot wrote, and it changed everything. And what it's saying that running can be there for you always. It can be a lifelong pursuit, and it doesn't have to be a finite pursuit. Uh, we talk a lot about the hero's journey and I'm quickly becoming not a fan of the hero's journey. I'm more of a fan of the circular system of, you know, trials and errors and triumphs and I call that the fool's journey. Yeah. The fool's <laughs> journey. And, and I think that when we place all of our esteem into a moment in time, 16 weeks ahead of us, as if that's going to be the end, I think that our lives become that journey. And that journey is a movie. And there's only one, there's a climax and then there's an ending. And it ends happily a lot of the time. Sometimes it doesn't. But if you adopt a mindset that running can be forever, that I learned in this book, it was such a simple concept. And I'm saying eat healthy, run healthy, recover when you recover, do all the things and plan on running for as long as, as long as we can, as long as our legs will take us there and plan on that. Because if we don't plan on that, we're planning to stop and you have to plan for momentum. You have to plan for the future. So mine's very simple. It's to adopt a paradigm that running is there for you always and honor it. I feel a duty to honor running because it changed my life. I feel that running gave me, um, a systematic approach to understanding my purpose. And I have a duty to honor what it gave me and I will feel indebted to what it's given me for 
all of this waking life. So that that's my that's my thing. Adopt that paradigm. Cool. I was gonna use do a different third one, but I'm gonna do this one. I think I can tie two together. Mm-hmm. So the best way to to run forever is to do my third thing, which is adopt seasonality. Mm. You need seasons. We are designed for seasons as nature operates that way and we have evolved if evolution is a real thing because you never know um we there's a there's a time for everything as ecclesiastes says right like there's a time for rest there's a time for going hard there's a time for war there's a time for all those things and recognizing you're running if you want to live forever the best way to live to run forever not live forever run forever is to recognize the natural rhythms of seasonality that exist and to trust that those seasons can be dialed up in 16 week windows or 20 week windows or 12 week windows or whatever that case may be through three week long microcycle macro you know mesocycles yeah. or whatever way you want to do it but ultimately you need to then take a break and run some easy running and get back and do other things. And my recommend, recommendation for seasonality and running forever is something I have been adamant about since I was a little kid. The day I we moved from northern, when we, from the northeast, from Philadelphia area, from Pennsylvania area, to Texas, um, I started running much more seriously. I was like seven years old. Um, and started racing and doing these like road races and then there were like track series and I was just all into the competition. I liked to compete. And then my dad one day took me out to this park in San Antonio called McAllister Park and they had just developed this 10K cross-country trail. It was so badass. It was basically a wood chip trail that was like three meters across and then at but then at times it would narrow down into an easy into single track. It's not there anymore. It's okay. been co-opted by different parties and it's yep. gone and it's not there anymore. But that day when I got out in nature off the road and in a place where I could hear and sense and smell and taste my relation to the earth and I was like trail running is it. But my way to succeed to get all the things I wanted in life as I thought as a eight year old, 10 year old, 12 year old was to win. And then winning meant cutting people's heads off and shitting down their throats. Cause that's how you do it. Cause I right. just didn't know any better. Right. right. But I would always toggle back and go onto the trail. And I can say that that seasonality, there were periods of time where I would go to the trail exclusively, but there were other times where in between hard quality workouts, between hard sessions, my dad would have me do, my dad was my coach for a lot of those years. Yeah. I would be at McAllister Park on this, these roads doing one, like five times, six times a mile. I mean, I'm 10, 12 years old. No, I was doing super serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> doing mile repeat, doing mile repeats. And then I would, and then at the next, then I would go back to that park and I would just run an easy six miles run on the trail. And I would be refreshed and back yeah. and a lot. And like, totally ready for the next thing. So if there were one, if, if all of this got distilled and I had to get rid of all my other ones, the one thing I would suggest, which is super practical, if you are a road runner, develop a relationship with the trail. Learn to get on a soft surface, an uneven surface off the road 
in a place where your watch will not be relevant because right. it's going to get all turned around. So you're, so I'm actually combining a bunch of these different things all in one topic, but like literally one getting, having a trail practice, a practice that gets you on a trail will absolutely regenerate and rejuvenate you. And you can do it for a season or you could just do it as an easy run. Um, there's a group, my group does a ongoing Sunday Greenbelt run. There's only three or four of them that show up, but it's an open invitation for anybody. And they go every Sunday. They meet again. They leave their families who are begging for them. They just left on Saturday, right. but on Sunday they leave their family again. They get up early. They get out on the trail. They wear a headlamp at first, but then they transition to their and they're. This just a thing they do, and it makes a huge difference. It's unbelievable. So that's a super practical way. If you, I guarantee you, and those people who say to me, "I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt," slow the fuck down. That's the whole point. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stop trying to run a pace. Take your. Yeah. Just go out for, say, I've got, I've got, okay. And, and if you need it, here, let me give you a little extra practical. Just basically consider that you're going to be running two minutes a mile slower to three minutes a mile slower. So instead of tracking it, say, okay, I'm going to run, I would like to run seven miles and I run seven minute miles. So that would mean instead of a 49 minute run, you're going to do a 70 minute run. And just go out for 35 minutes yep. and come back for 35 minutes and you will have hit your mileage mark if that's your thing. Right. If it's not, if it's a duration thing, then it doesn't really matter how long you go out. Right. You're just running easy until you turn around and you come back. Yep. But there's nothing like the trail to wake you up. And I'm not talking about Town Lake Trail because that's the most competitive trail I've ever been on in my life. <laughs> yeah. I used to coach you when I coached the UT girls, they would always be so frustrated because they would get out on the trail and they would start doing their tempo run and they would run up on some guy and the guy would look over and see this, you know, 20 year old girl that's you know doesn't weigh 100 pounds right. and they're just motoring by them and of course they're like there's no way there's she's no gonna way be and they're like i can't do my tempo run because i feel like i'm in a race all the time we're like yeah i'm sorry we'll go for a dip, go to a different place for it but yeah so that's my last one get on the yeah. trail that was good get on the trail it's beautiful i think this was a very cohesive episode surprisingly i know <laughs> we did I, really I think well. we did it we I'm recorded like uh a standard? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we call this a standard. Well, we've got a name for this fundamentals. I just stole that from John's text. Do you guys yep. want to keep calling these things fundamentals or you want to call them? Okay, cool. We'll keep I mean, we, I mean, if we can come up something. I no, no, I love it. it but I love it. I just, I just co-opted your term and then you used. You got to the fundamentals, y'all. And I used <laughs> your. You, had to, you already had two out there, man. Well. <laughs> No. And then I, I used your, back down. I don't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> I used John's spelling too, which was fun. It was yeah. F U capital F U N fundamentals. Yeah. <laughs> I've been talking about the fundamentals lately. I'm getting back to the fundamentals on my business. Yeah, so I'm learning the P and L's. Mm-hmm. I'm learning. I'm comparing all the years. I'm doing business shit, y'all. I am getting back to the fundamentals. Sometimes you just got to do it. Sometimes because you if you don't know the fundamentals. You are just yeah. I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. For me, it's <laughs> like yeah. You can do that from the financial side. You can also do the from the mission side. You know your purpose. Mm-hmm. Why yeah, you're doing we did what a whole. You're doing, why you're doing what you're doing? You know, I've redone the whole the whole brand voice and and everything. Getting back to the fundamentals of the brand and you know just absolutely. You know that I think these episodes are are awesome. I think I. I hope y'all resonate with them out there. Well, one other thing, since we've, you know, we're only 56 minutes in and God knows we got to cover at least an hour. Um, one thing that has been really cool is we've definitely got more listeners. So we've nearly doubled our listeners in the last couple of weeks. So well, it's because I was gone. 
<laughs> no, it was the last it was the one we did it was the this is the second live that this is the third live episode that will come out right cool so the, meaning live meaning it's the next it comes out that next week um last week we just so you guys know last week was um we did the uh name likeness and Im- name image and likeness one uh which was i don't know if you've listened to it yep. holy shit we went I mean, we are, we are known for going places. I don't know if you listened to the very end, but the last thing that I kept in there was when I, when you said to me, good luck editing this one, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, good. No, not editing. It was like naming it. Good luck. Mm. Good good luck giving a summary of this. Anyway. (laughs) Well, thanks guys for listening to us. We really appreciate you. Um, If you want to catch up with us, send us information. Tell us who you are, Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, at telosrunning.com. Maybe one day, keep going, we'll have its own its own virtual home. But for now, it's it's there, and, and it's in John's heart, Michael's apartment, and my email address. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little bit of all of us. <laughs> nice.